This is Crowdfunding Uncut episode 124. And over the next 10 episodes, we're doing something a little bit different. We're bringing back the top 10 episodes ever on Crowdfunding Uncut as voted by you guys through downloads. And I'm really excited because over the next 10 episodes, at the end of the episodes, we are actually launching a brand new podcast that is set to air on May 15th the new brand, new name. I'm really excited to talk to you guys about it and um, to be sure that you keep up to date with the new brand and the new changes we're making um, as it will, new things will not be at crowdfundinguncut.com, but they'll actually be over at kirsten.com. So be sure to head over and subscribe to get in the know and stuff like that when we actually launch the new podcast. And um, as my name is very hard to spell, uh, you can go to k-h-i-e-r-s-t-y-n.com. And this episode is the Facebook ads hacked that helped Ravian raise $1.3 million on Kickstarter. And... This episode really gets into the psychology of backers and why it's important when you're doing Facebook ads to target people a very specific way to make sure that you're getting people that are actually familiar with the Kickstarter and Indiegogo world. I don't want to spoil the fun for you, but this is a um, critical episode that's definitely going to help shape your mindset and frame around really like how to approach paid ads as this is really where a lot of campaigners are turning. So apart from that, um, let's dive into episode 124. Welcome to Crowdfunding Uncut. This is the place where incredible project creators show you how they launch their products online using the world's largest crowdfunding engines such as Indiegogo and Kickstarter. Hey, this is episode 33. Today, we're going to be taking a look at how long project creators actually need to prep before launching a campaign. If you listen to episode 32, uh, John Sumeroy from MyFold, they attribute their massive Indiegogo success to having about three to six months to prep pre-launch. But the campaign we're taking a look at today has raised $1.3 million on Kickstarter with only two weeks to prep for the campaign. So if you really want to see what makes a difference and what really matters if you don't have a lot of time to spend on your project, this is the one to listen to. So we have Bryce Fisher of Ravian Jackets. Hey Bryce, thanks so much for being on the show this week. I have to say that when I came across your product, it was awesome seeing a complete opposite to the project that I was on, but more relevant to the consumer that... Uh, being Canadian by having a uh, jacket that self heats is awesome. And I just want to say like your campaign is fantastic and uh, it's really been awesome having you on the show. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Uh, It was a lot of fun running that campaign. We learned a lot and you know how hectic it is and the adventure of just migrating through the whole Kickstarter process. So it's been a lot of fun. Yeah. Where are you guys on the project right now? So we, we actually started manufacturing a couple weeks ago. We were trying to make the Christmas delivery, so we did some projections early on. And uh, so manufacturing is already underway. The products will be coming in next week. And then we sent out another order for the January shipments um, next week. So we're in that manufacturer delivery process right now. 
Awesome. And we'll, we'll get to how you set up your rewards packages in a little bit, but uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about what Ravian Life is and how you came up with this idea? Yeah. So I'm a wannabe entrepreneur and I've, I just, I graduated college about two years ago. And in the process, right after I graduated college at BYU, um, I started a business. It was an essential oil uh, diffuser business. And we sold, we sold that company about 12, 12 months later after we started. We sold it to a big billion-dollar company. And in that process, I met a man who does a lot of Chinese sourcing. He works with a lot of factories. I've worked with a lot of factories myself. Um, I lived in China for over four years. And um, he knew a, a factory that had some awesome technology. Um, he had some ideas of how to improve it, and we all had some ideas of how to improve it. So we built on this technology foundation from this factory and, you know, brought in the Ravian brand and made it look, you know, acceptable to the market. And uh, then we launched our Kickstarter. So I see a lot of projects, they will have a prototype or an idea or a concept and decide to launch a crowdfunding campaign when there's probably a lead time to fulfillment for about a year out. Now, it seems like when I look through your campaign, you guys were a lot farther ahead in the manufacturing prior to actually launching this. Now, so can you can you talk me through like how you decided on October 1st for the timing and why you didn't tackle crowdfunding a few months earlier? Yeah, so basically our group came together uh, this summer, very, very late in the summer. We all kind of made the connection that this was what we wanted to do. And originally, um, we were going to launch, we were actually going to launch the Kickstarter later. And then we had an epiphany that, hey, we actually need to launch earlier and try to get as many as we can for Christmas, because that's kind of a, that's a big sell point. Big push, yeah. So why didn't we do it earlier? I mean, we, we literally came together end of July, beginning of August. And so the foundational technology was there. And then we added in our own technology ideas and then kind of created this new product, you know, in about a month. So the prototypes were ready mid-September. We started, you know, social media stuff around September, trying to gather some people. You know, we we only had two weeks. And then uh, (laughs) after, you know, after we had the prototype, we shot the video mid-September, scrambled to put the campaign together. And then October 1, we launched. We were just trying to launch as early as possible at that point. So you had two weeks. Did you have um, any email list or anything that you had started building prior to the middle of September? Or did you literally give yourself two weeks to figure out the launch with social, with social media, media and stuff? So pretty much two weeks. We did try to do it. We tried to do a giveaway. Um, mm-hmm. And we did collect about 1,000 to 1,500 emails through a giveaway but those emails didn't really pan out. You know, I did a lot of Google analytics. I watched, you know, I put in UTM codes in the emails and, mm-hmm. you know, none of those really converted probably because they were looking for a freebie. I'm not really interested in the product. So we did try to gather a tribe, but uh, it was slim pickings by the time we launched. Wow. Okay. That's great. Cause I've, one thing I, I know about crowdfunding is there's not one right way to approach it for a successful campaign. And I, um, my last interview I did, they did about 900,000 US and they swore by 
having a huge social media push and collecting 30,000 email addresses as a big reason for their success. But you're telling me you barely had anything and you're starting from zero and you raised 1.4 million so far. Yeah, 1.33, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So that's uh, that's interesting. Would you, in when you first launched then, in the month of October – what would you say is the number one reason for your success or some strategy that you use that was the most effective to get you quick momentum? Yeah. So this is going to be a little long winded. So if you want to, I'll try to get through this quickly. The, the main, the main, the most important thing when launching a product or anything into Kickstarter into the market in general is customer validation. You have to know that your product will sell. Um, yeah. I uh, I do, and and so that's not just customer surveys. That's not just you know talking to people on the street, um, talking to your friends and family. Honestly, I think that type of customer validation is garbage. Um, the best customer validation method that I use is I build a fake three-page website. Page number one is a is a long sales page. It goes through the features a picture, feature, picture, and it has little buttons. There's only two options. It's a squeeze page. They either hit learn more or they back out. Second page, so when they hit learn more, they go to the second page, which is a full description of, of the product, and there's only one option, buy now. or Well, two options, sorry. They can click, click back. So buy now or click back. Uh, and on that page, there's a price. And when they hit buy, it will go to the third page, and this is just a test, right? So I usually say, sorry, we're experiencing technical difficulties or sorry, we're out of stock or you know, some excuse why I'm not delivering their product after they hit buy. And I never, ever, ever. So just a little background on me. I graduated from college two years ago. I was kicked out of the business school, um, scrambling to even – Sorry for that. Yeah, I, scrambling <laughs> to graduate – um, and I started a business right after I did graduate. I graduated, um, and I started this business. And we—I knew about this method. I was obsessed with, you know, Tim Ferriss and his some of his methods and some of these other guys. And I kept researching, researching, and finally, until I figured out how to perfect that funnel process. And we went forward with Lever. That's what it was called because we had validated the product, and we were a startup. No business experience. 12 months later, we sold out in a multi-million dollar acquisition before we even hit the market. We were just rolling off the production line when Sensi um, came in and bought our company. And so same process for this jackets. We knew that you know the validation happened. We knew that this was a hot product. Um, we knew how much we can make because you can project through you know the conversions, the ROI that's going in. And um so most importantly, you just customer validation. You know, don't move forward with a product you're not three thousand percent sure you can it's sell. Going to sell exactly. Yeah. So just to page three, if you have a buy now and then an error message pops up, would you attempt to convert those people onto a mailing list at that point? I, I've noticed that my conversions go down a little bit, but yes, if you can put an email at on the third page, um, yeah. I, I do. I do try to capture emails in that process. With Ravian, no, we didn't do that. Okay. Okay. No, that's that's really interesting. Um, so I love that approach. In terms of um, 
driving traffic to this three-page website. How do you do that? Or how did you do that? Yeah, so I missed a important step. We put the Facebook conversion pixel, the Google PPC conversion pixels on that third page. And we use Google PPC and we use Facebook PPC. And we Mm -hmm. just watch the conversions. You know, if I put $100 in and I get 80 people pressing the buy button, what's my ROI? Am I coming out positive? Can I make money? You know, if I can sell something that doesn't exist, I think I can sell it if it actually does exist. So, Fantastic. I love that. And so considering you barely had any huge push pre-campaign, what did you do for marketing in those first two weeks? Like, what did that look for you? Yeah, it was very limited. Um, you know, I want to be online marketer. I kind of geek out on, on this kind of stuff. I read a lot of books. Never had a real chance to apply it until the Kickstarter, but... I tried Google PPC and I tried Facebook and here you probably know this, but here is the biggest nugget. Like I should charge people for telling this secret. So I lost almost seven grand the first two weeks in PPC campaigns and two weeks in not making anything. And if you go back and look at kick track, you'll see at two weeks, there's this big jump and you know, Whatever it was, inspiration, said a little prayer. What the heck is going on? Why is my marketing not working? Because it was very, 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 very specific. Nothing was converting. And I had a thought that people will not buy from me through my advertising unless they know what Kickstarter is. So what that meant was I went into the Facebook PPC, erased all the interests, and I only worked off of three interests. Kickstarter, Indiegogo, and crowdfunding. And once I did that, I mean, I'd put $1,000 in and get 5000 back. Once I started doing the demographics and, you know, narrowing down Canada, Northern America, Northern Europe, colder areas, you know, my return was 8x to 10x on, on my money. And so, and you can see that, you know, we didn't bring on uh, funded today until the last two weeks of the campaign. Right. Um, so the, the, you know, the bulk of this was carried by the organic and by, you know, or just our internal experimenting. That's true. Cause I noticed that with, um, some of our friends that when we were trying to drive traffic organically to our Indiegogo page, some people were like, well, what is Indiegogo? And then you have to explain it. And then all of a sudden you've lost them because they don't understand that it's a, well, I don't want to back a startup <laughs> or, what not. So then you had to limit to how do you find people that already know what it, it is about? So I love that hack. That That's exactly what it comes down to. I mean, you're going to waste a lot of money. I mean, yeah. I mean, because for us, the CTR was amazing. Like mm-hmm. Google PPC, we had like, I think it was like 30 to 40% CTR, but the dropout was like 90 to 95%. And then, you know, we figured out this tactic where it was just like, duh. You know, people don't know what Kickstarter, they don't want to pre-sell. The majority of the world does not want to buy into a pre-sell. And so, um, you know, especially when they hear the horror stories of Kickstarter too. So when, when we change that around, you know, that principle applies across all online marketing for Kickstarter. You have to be able to find a way to isolate the people that know what Kickstarter is. Agreed. I love that. So with your campaign, what would you say is the, not pre-campaign, but actually during management of the campaign, the number one best thing that you did? The number one, I so for the first two to three weeks, 
seventy uh, percent of our sales was organic. Seventy percent of our traffic, actually, I would say up to four weeks, seventy percent of our sales were organic. And so, what does that mean? What does it mean that if seventy percent of my sales are organic? It means two things. It means one because because customers on the other side on the Kickstarter they only see your little baby picture and they only see your little little headline. And so if our organic conversion is good, it means your picture, your picture has to turn heads. It has to mm-hmm. look awesome. You know, you can't just have this, you can't just half do your picture. You have to have a picture that people like. It's either like what the heck is that or wow, that looks <laughs> that looks cool. You got to have a wow factor. Because you're talking about your campaign picture, right? Yes, campaign picture that shows up in the organic, you know, sections when people are searching through the projects. And then number two, that headline has to be a big idea. There's a marketer called Todd Brown. His name's Todd Brown. And he always talks about the big idea. And the big idea just means, you know, it's something new. It gets, it piques curiosity. Our original headline was Arctic, Tropical, Ultralight, Heated Jacket. And people are like, Arctic, tropical, ultra thin? What, is that? what, is that what does mean? that mean? You know, they're like more of a curiosity peaker. It would, it would pique their curiosity and they would click through to, you know, learn more about the project. So the headline and that picture are super critical. That was super critical for our campaign. It carried us, you know, until I finally figured out the online marketing. And then it kind of went down to 60 40. And now it's actually flipped now. It's 60 paid and 40 organic right now. Right. So it sounds like um, you, in the first two weeks, you lost a lot of money on, on advertising, but you seem to not have that affect you so much. But what would you say, apart from the n- not figuring out the, uh, the $7,000 PPC issue, was your next mistake that if you were to do another crowdfunding campaign, you would rectify. Yeah. The next, the next mistake is keep your project simple, simple. I mean, we have so many SKUs and so many combinations and we gave in to every single backers whim just because we were trying to make money. And the reality is, man, when you get onto that back, the back end of Kickstarter, it is so hard to, produce something from what you know you can't adjust things very easily it's hard to export data you have no control on that back end very much very very little control and so simple simplify 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 your project um i i yeah that's a big mistake that we made we made it too complicated okay so by simplifying SKUs, do you mean having too many rewards, rewards packages? packages let the the or the the littler, the fewer amount of pledges you can provide, the better. Just keep it simple. Okay. 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 Gotcha. Does Kickstarter, because I've only used Indiegogo, but does Kickstarter allow you to export? Uh, so just say customer one buys reward package one and two. Can you get a list for customers who bought reward package one and two? Or is it just per SKU you can export? Are you asking before or after campaign? After campaign. After campaign, I don't know on Indiegogo. Obviously, Kickstarter, yes. Kickstarter, yeah. Uh, Kickstarter, yes. I, I mean, this is my first Kickstarter. I didn't know anything about Kickstarter until, you know, four weeks before we started. 
And then, you know, Indiegogo's, I watch Bobacks. That's another really important thing is find a successful campaign that's similar to yours and, you know, reverse engineer, talk to them, reach out, dig really deep to figure out, you know, what they did. And, you know, I think that helped us for sure. And one of the things they did was switch to an Indiegogo campaign right after Mm -hmm. Kickstarter. Yeah, I do want to ask you why you did that, because it's available for pre-order on Indiegogo now until January 30th. Right. So the reason is very simple. Reason is, is that we keep making sales, right? So theoretically, most people just go off and they go produce. Well, if you run a, you run an Indiegogo campaign, you can keep the pre-sales going and you don't have the immediate obligation to to deliver. You have the same, okay, I need three, four months to, you know, to deliver those. Now, why not just do it on your website versus doing it on Indiegogo? Well, Indiegogo, you tap into the the traffic, you you boost into the organic, which cuts down your marketing cost. I'd have to pay 3x marketing to drive the same type of market into my website. So keeping it on Indiegogo, focusing your marketing towards Indiegogo is just, it's just a no, it's, it's a no brainer. Yeah. So a few more um, just specific questions. You mentioned that you had literally started looking into Kickstarter four weeks before your campaign. So what resources did you use to learn what you had to do to get this campaign together? Uh, So the first thing I tried to do was I spammed a whole bunch of creators and then I got kicked out of Kickstarter and I had to beg for them to, to (laughs) reopen. Oh, by the way, do not spam. Do not spam on Kickstarter or try. I, we were threatened like four times to shut down our project Oh, oh no! because of spamming, but you know, you're not a great online marketer unless you've been kicked out of at least one platform. So, Oh yeah, oh, yeah absolutely. You have to try. Yeah. <laughs> so that was the first thing reaching out, didn't get any answers. And then honestly, I just looked at, I watched Bobacks for like 30 days straight, you know, from the time we wanted to do it, Till we launched, I just watched them every day. I watched their social media. I searched for their, you know, marketing. I watched every day, you know, what was coming out from them, sending out the Google alerts and seeing new stuff from Bobax and, um, yeah, just spying on them really is what we did. Did you use any traffic hacks to figure out where they're buying traffic or buying ads and stuff? Well, a lot of articles came out about that. They were getting interviewed, you know, a ton. And Hyrule basically came out and said in a Forbes article that they were doing two things. Um, they were uh, re, they were boosting um, PR posts. They were reposting PR and they were boosting those. And then they were just doing Facebook essentially, just Facebook ads. And I didn't boost PR. However, I did boost posts, which basically gave me 5x the traffic for a third the price. So instead of setting up marketing on the back end of, of Kickstarter, if you just make your posts a marketing, it goes from like $1.12 down to like sometimes $0.05. Cents. And I get just as much traffic if I'll just boost posts. And the theory is, is because you know Facebook doesn't want you to take people off their platform. So if you use a post to drive people into your homepage – and then they click on a link afterwards to go in, you know, that saves them money, keeps people on their platform. That's why they make it cheaper. Right. Love it. So uh, one of my last couple questions is 
for, I don't know if you can disclose what your budget was to get together the campaign, but what I'd love to know is that a common question I get is, what is a realistic budget that I should have before I do a crowdfunding campaign? So if you're running an average campaign of say 25,000 to $100,000 goal, do you have an opinion on what a good marketing budget or budget is to have for the campaign? Yeah, I mean, obviously the more the better. Um, but I'm, you know, I'm probably speaking to a crowd that is, has never done this or is wanting to do it, maybe not have, you know, 60 K in their pocket to go spend. And so it goes back to the very, 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 very first, one of the very first things I said was for the first four weeks, 70%, 70% of our sales were organic, free coming from Kickstarter. So that came down to our image you know, our title and then delivering with a good looking campaign page. And so, okay, 70%, that was all the way up to about 400 K. So, you know, 70% of that roughly 325, you know, you could, you know, if, if it was us, we would have raised half a million just off of organic. Yeah. So you don't have to have a big budget, although a budget, the more, the better, really just, if you got to ask grandma to give you money, you know, or give her, you know, whatever we, yeah, I would do it, you know? Okay. okay. And the next part of that question is how do you spend that budget? So what would you think is the most, are the top three most important things you should be spending money on with Kickstarter? Uh, Facebook PPC. If, if people will do what I just said, only put in for Facebook PPC, only put the interest Kickstarter, Indiegogo and crowdfunding, those three, They'll focus on those three interests. They will make money. There's no doubt. Um, and then, I, yeah, I wasted so much money on Google PPC. I don't know how to isolate just Kickstarter people. I wouldn't spend any time in Google PPC. I wouldn't do any visual ads. I mean, the key to your marketing is putting it in front of people that know what Kickstarter is or have invested in Kickstarter. And so um, – if a if there's a Kickstarter project that has a very big following on Facebook, for example, the coolest cooler, they were also an outdoor uh, mm-hmm. sporty people. So I focused my marketing on people that followed coolest cooler. That was also a very effective marketing method. If you can get your emails backers your the emails of your backers early, you can mm-hmm. take that email list and make a lookalike audience within the Facebook. Also, that has very very high conversion if you can get your backers emails early. We took an early survey, but make sure you get Kickstarter's permission. We took an early survey, got their emails, you know, about 1400 emails. Um, and then we made a look like audience off of that, which super good, super good conversion. Okay. And you, uh, you make it sound like you don't have access to your backer contact information during the campaign. So is that only after the campaign on Kickstarter? Yeah, you do not have access to their emails. You can contact them through the Kickstarter platform, but yeah. uh, like I said, the Kickstarter platform is so not user-friendly. Yeah, that's really strange because Indiegogo, you can export them real-time really? as, as they're coming in. Yeah. Yep. Well, I think the so. reason Kickstarter does it is because they're trying to make a point that they're not e-commerce. Okay, They're not an e-commerce platform. And so the more, you know, easy you know the more they take away that these are not pledges they're actually a purchase of a product 
the more their way they're the more they're getting away from the fact that they're a crowdfunding platform. And so that helps me as the creator if they keep that you know that feeling because that focus I guess right because then the backers aren't thinking oh I can just get a refund oh I can just get it this the, the mindset is set that oh I'm pledging I'm giving my money as an investment and I might lose it because this is a crowdfunding investment and we are rewarding them with a product we're not it's not an e-commerce transaction and that's what Kickstarter is trying to do and that's why you know that's why I don't make a big fuss out of it but you know, that's why it's so hard to use sometimes because they're making that point. Yeah. Versus Indiegogo is trying to branch out to also be pre-sales. So they give you, they're a lot more user-friendly that way with the backers and what you could do with that data. So yeah, no. Well said. Um, so what is next for Ravian Life? Like you're doing pre-orders right now. And then 2016, like, what does that look like for you? Yeah, we're moving at a very, very fast pace. We have a lot of retailers knocking at our doors, a lot of distributors. Um, we're actually going to launch probably two or three more Kickstarters this this next year. Um, we have a new battery coming out in March, April. Summer, we have a new jacket with a whole bunch of cool new features. And then we might launch another, a couple more accessories that go with the jacket. Um, it's going to be very modular. We're going to have in the down 2.0, there'll be a connector point on the neck and a connector mm -hmm. point on the waist. And so they can, we can move into accessories like a heated scarf, a heated earmuffs, a hat, heated goggles that don't fog. Um, you know, just a whole bunch of stuff, heated hood, um, and then pants and socks and all that stuff. So the down 2.0 will be more modular in that, in that aspect. So awesome. One thing you said too, I'm noticing a trend with a lot of engineering firms that once they have one really successful crowdfunding project, they want to keep using Kickstarter, Indiegogo to relaunch products. So that's an, a new way of thinking versus the old school internet marketing where you create a product and then create a new product and sell that to your email list. So why is it that you choose to relaunch new products on crowdfunding as opposed to your current customers and just keep it on your own site? Yeah, that's a very good question. It comes down to cash flow. Think about it. When you when you use Kickstarter or Indiegogo to relaunch, I don't have to take cash flow from my business to redev a new product or to put out for inventory. I don't have to do anything. So if I use Kickstarter, you know, I'm just growing my cash flow instead of because you, you get to a point where you have to start cutting skews because your cash flow gets divided and you can never concentrate it. So our biggest number one reason is one, we have a lot of great followers and who will rebuy in really quickly on a Kickstarter. But number two, um, maybe even more importantly, number two is cash flow. Um, it keeps your cash flow central and I, I more guess, cash flow. Yeah. Okay. Because you, you source before you manufacture, manufacture and, ship. and ship. Oh, yeah. You molds, like in my last company, just the set mold for the plastic was 50K. You know, 50K oh. and all the molds together, we were around 100K just for molding. And so, yeah, that doesn't make a lot of sense. And inventory, investment into inventory, if you don't know it will sell, it also, so number three is it's a validation method. It's almost, you know, it's almost as good as the three-page thing. Although I like to run the three page before I run a Kickstarter, but you know, either the product works on Kickstarter or it doesn't. And if it works, then you keep going. If it doesn't, then you, you know, you, you opt out and don't carry forward that product. 
Fantastic. Uh, very last question is if people want to find out more about what you or Ravian Life are doing, where's a good place to send them? Ravian.com. R-A-V-E-A-N.com. Okay. Okay. Awesome. awesome. What's, What's the average, the average price, price of one of the units? Well, it was around 200, but now it's increased to about 249 is what the jackets are at. And the vest, we're actually cutting skews. You know, the great thing from this Kickstarter is we learned that the hoodie and a few other products weren't great sellers. So we're just going to the jacket uh, in the future and we're trying to sell out of our vests. So good stuff. I love it. Well, it's been fantastic having you on the show. Like, I've learned a lot more about uh, PPC than I did before. Among other things. So, um, yeah. Is there, do you have any famous last words before we wrap this up? Famous last words. Yeah. Just, just do it. I mean, the, I, I got kicked out of business school. You know, I was an absolute reject, had no, no reason to, you know, succeed in these sort of things. And if you just have the attitude that, you know, you're not stubborn that you won't pivot or change, but stubborn that you won't give up. You know, there's a difference between, uh, not giving up and, uh, never changing your idea. Some people think, oh, I can't stop going after the same idea, even though it's obviously failing. You know, being smart and pivoting when you need to and never giving up until you, you know, you succeed. And you know, that's I think that's the most important attribute for an entrepreneur is just, just don't give up. Find a way. Find a way. And be smart and pivot, pivot, pivot. Fantastic. All right. Well, it's been great. So we will wrap it up here. Cool. Thanks for having me on the show. Well, that wraps up episode 124. Over the next 10 episodes, it's acting like a countdown to the new brand and new podcast that are launching on May 15th, 2019. I'm really excited to do this. And I mean, to stay up to date with the new brand updates and resources, be sure to head over to Kirsten.com. It's K-H-I-E-R-S-T-Y-N. Com. And we'll see you on the other side. Are you launching a product on either Kickstarter or Shopify and you're feeling completely overwhelmed with the process? Hi there, my name is Kirsten, the CEO of Launch and Scale. To date, we've helped several online sellers sell millions of dollars online and scale their business from zero to seven figures by focusing on building an audience of fans that will actually convert into paying customers. If you're serious about building a seven-figure e-commerce brand with less time and less risk, you should check out our product launch pad. PLP is a proven accelerator that takes you step-by-step -step through the process of launching and scaling your product brand. Brands like the Monk Manual, Aberlite, Series Chill, Jamstack, and several others were all launched using our product launchpad. So if you'd like to be our next success story, go to launchandscale.co slash PLP to learn more. And for a limited time, we're offering a seven-day trial of the product launchpad for only $1. Again, go to launchandscale.co slash PLP to learn more.